What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Masters of Sport, and I'm here with. I was wondering what you were doing. Uh, I was seeing how sharp it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> with Earl Kunkel. Earl, how are you? I'm great. I have a, a holiday weekend coming up. Oh, yes, that's actually uh, my work environment. I'm excited for that too because the, the kids have off. Like yeah. my kids. So my children have half days right now. Yeah, they have a half, and day then tomorrow. they have like off. My guys have a half day tomorrow. I'm working the full day. Yeah. It's not so bad. Yeah, I mean. But it's always nicer, like, when your kids are home and you're home. It's like, hey, let's hang. Let's yeah, go do like something. A, it's a cool cool vacation yeah. time. There's this park around where I live. And my, my son, me and him, will walk to it. And then it's essentially LARPing, but we don't costume up. But <laughs> I have to pretend there's, like, whatever thing he wants. Um, And this week – or yesterday when we did it it was subnautica thing so i had to pretend i was underwater <laughs> going through the and then we had to go catch these subnautica things now my son he's getting better at reading but he's not good at reading but man that kid knows the whole like creature list Dude. of these video games and I, I can't get it like when are you gonna put that energy and just be like i can read now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, i think i think with sanderson it was I mean, they're, are they the same age? They're about. Yeah. It's probably for, more, February. Oh, uh, yeah. Sanderson's April. Yeah. For him, it was Pokemon cards. Dude, he, he and then he, his teacher will even be like, he, he sits in school and just reads his Pokemon books. Okay. And and that's how he learned reading. Like, literally, like, yeah. he read to him and he did okay. But as soon as he got into the cards, that's how he, right. he, he wanted to read what was on the well, card. That's what how we started again we stopped reading when he was playing these video games so like subnautica is a video game and it was yeah. like we're not reading it to you anymore like right right we need to like draw the line like this is you're gonna learn yeah you have to figure out what's yeah. on the screen and like completely capable i yeah. ever tell you the silly story about him uh -uh. he taught himself how to add subtract and multiply doesn't quite have the vision he's decent by watching this show on netflix i think it was net or youtube he found it called number blocks i don't it, it's just number blocks. That's what it's called. Yeah. And he taught himself how to. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. I just watched it and he was like, oh, how to do this? And I was like, <laughs> All right, dude. Can you read yet? <laughs> <laughs> He'll get to the point where yeah. he can read. Dang. I always feel like that's a. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I always feel like that's a. It's like the whole walking thing. When you have your first kid, you're like, oh, yeah. My kid was walking at nine months. My yeah. kid was walking at six months. It's like a competition. My kid was <laughs> like, shit, my kid was walking at 15. <laughs> and it's like a competition. It's the same thing with reading when you have kids. It's yeah. like this, oh, my kid beat your nah. kid. And it's like, dude, they're all going to walk. So that They're all going to read at some point. The educational literature, like if you get into it, seven. They need to be able to read by seven. By seven, yeah. Like you okay. want them to. Usually, if not by then, there's there's probably like some type of developmental delay going on, like yeah. or some type of like thing that's they have to they learn different than what your typical is, and you have to work right. on it a little bit more. They're outside the box, essentially. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. Like you can yeah. work towards it, and if they learn by then, that kid that's reading at four or three, you know, like some savant type thing, they usually catch up by eleven years old. Right, like right. It, it's just it's just like athletics for the most part. Yeah, way the brain works, like yeah. it, it grows up. All right, Dane, speaking about um, athletics. And the brain. And the brain. Do you have a time or something where you remember where you finally started doing, like, a movement and it was, like, autopilot? Like, that aha moment? 
and it just never left, if you will. Um, I'm thinking. I mean, so I, dude, I, I'll, I'll say a couple things. When I was younger, when I was younger, I remember wrestling and being able to just like feel and scramble and to me like scrambling is like a an autopilot feeling yeah it's like you're just hitting things that you know you can hit because you've practiced positions but it's like you're not like oh i can hit this because i practice that it's just going and my my first gut you know my first gut reaction was wrestling and then playing the tuba the tuba, like do the way I, your fingers moved or something. Yeah, and I so we would we played these. Uh, There's a guy named Gustav Holst, and he has uh, a whole like symphony on. The, it's called the Planets. Okay, and I can hear uh, Jupiter right now, and literally like play the the notes on the tuba. Like your fingers are yeah. doing the movements. Because I remember I remember it so cuz I loved it. I, when I would play it I was like I just loved that song. You're a fan of Jupiter? Yeah. And so, and, and all of them really. So you mentioned Jupiter. I have two things I got to say about Jupiter. One <laughs> is imagine if you were born and could like survive on Jupiter. That'd be awesome. That gravitational pull. You'd be so strong. Right? <laughs> you come to Earth. You would come to Earth and <laughs> Imagine that. You'd be huge. You'd, pro- you'd probably be short, though. Yeah, you'd be short, your but your sk- bone density would be insane. Yeah. You'd never break a bone. And then, two, this idea came to me from this uh, science fiction series I read by this guy called Dan Simmons. It's like Hy- the Hyperion Quantos. It's four books. And Wait, who? Oh, Lucas brought he, this up to me yeah, today. Lucas Warning, yeah. That's why I'm thinking of it right okay. now, because I went and they called, because they were in Bethlehem for their throws. Okay. Taman hit me no. up to, and we went. For, I met them all for lunch, like their meal in between. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and the strike on it too. Anyway, but that idea, you know, this huge planet, just larger gravitational pull. That is and like good, you right. just you have more muscle. Like you can't help it. You're just stronger. You're literally just the size of a fire hydrant. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like all right, go lift weights. And but you're like, as strong as an ant, pound yeah. for pound. Yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah. So that, all right. So yours, you're gonna say you're scrambling autopilot, like it just you knew your body just yeah. knew what to do, when to do it. And this, I have an example. I think that I'm struggling though because I it's, it's hard for me to. I don't know when I was cognitively aware. I I remember the first time, I felt like I had an outer body experience. Uh huh. Was throwing my sophomore year of college. I was gonna say, what about? Throwing like is, is that ro- that rotation like is that an automatic movement for you at this I point? I hit a like, PR at Florida, and qualified for NCAA's, and I felt, I literally felt like I was watching myself like over top of the circle watching myself, man. and like, I didn't know I didn't like I didn't necessarily feel it during the moment when I reflected back. That's how I felt I experienced it. It was like, and the other the other th- interesting part was that the whole time during that like two week time frame, I was so dialed in mentally. I knew that I knew what was gonna happen. Yeah, like I was there. Yeah, I knew that was like as pathetic as it sounds. Like, <laughs> pro- like probably like the pinnacle of my athletic career. Sophomore year of college. Yeah. How old were you? Just, were you twenty then? 
uh, 20, so it would have been, I would have just 19? turned 21. Okay. I was going to say. Wait, no, it would have been, oh, I was 20. Yeah, I was yeah, 20. 20? Yeah, 20. You know what's funny about that? Imagine saying you peaked at 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything else just went down the bottle. Yeah. Straight <laughs> down the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in one aspect you're doing be- you're doing better well, in other I, aspects. Now. I had uh, throws and experiences later on that defined me more so from a character and not, but they weren't that experience. I, I love sort of where you're going. We could talk about this some other day because we yeah. don't have a plan. But like this whole I- idea of identity, yeah, through athletics and then aging out of that identity, yeah, and how do you redefine yourself? Or re-see yourself yeah. without, like, I'm not an athlete anymore. And how do yeah, you do that? Yeah, and it's that? interesting looking back, too, f- for me, because it's like I had such a pathetic career, like, such a... Now, remember, everyone, he was a D1 athlete, got his college, paid for I did get third for. in the Big Ten. I have a medal yeah. to show it. <laughs> but I had such a steep trajectory my freshman yeah. and sophomore year where it was like, dude, he could. this kid could win the NCAA. Like, this kid could do something crazy. Like, freshman year, bombs. Sophomore year, bombs. And then all of a sudden, boom, just totally diminished over the next three years. But, yeah, you know, later on, looking back, later on, it was like, now when I reflect back on why did I come back to throw when Caitlin got pregnant with Lincoln, yeah, why did I do any of this? And it's like, I had so many, like, inner demons that I just had to, like, Yeah, you needed with. to find yourself, too. Yeah, and that exactly. was that was a very, like self-affirming probably identity too yeah, yeah that you had a lot of positive experiences a lot of people saw you in a positive light yeah no nah, i got you so go back to it go back to the yeah, the yeah. automatic movement yeah you know what mine is walking i am a walking virtuoso <laughs> and you know what's funny most able-bodied people are the same way. It's an automatic movement. You don't even think when you do it. If you're walking or swimming, it, yeah, you're it's right. It's an athletic. Nah, swimming's not so much. People like you should if see you can, me swim. If you can it, swim, it is a travesty. If you're proficient, if you're proficient as a swimmer, it is. Automatic. I am a survivalist when I swim. Like I can go. Like I'll go in the ocean, like and swim. I'll go in rivers and swim, but I don't swim well. <laughs> Like, I will doggy like, paddle as much as I have dude, to if that's the least amount of energy, but my head stays above water. Like This is this is reminds me of my dad. So my mom taught us all how to, like, die hard. Sw- like, you learn how to swim as soon as, like, the twins were two when they could swim. Yeah. And, like, that's how our whole life was. We would go to the beach, all four of us, my mom and the three kids, we would be swimming one time we're there, my dad was so bad. <laughs> you, you're reminding me of this. My dad was out, like way out, and they had to pull him in with a jet ski. And he was like, don't even talk about this. Like he was so <laughs> embarrassed, dude. And we'd be like, dad, you couldn't swim. You're, you suck so bad at swimming. You got pulled in by a jet ski. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, sorry. None of you were brave enough to go out that far, though. No, because he's an idiot. He'd be the guy pulling you, drowning you. No. <laughs> Oh, that's why? Yeah. So All right. Sorry to go off a little bit. No, that's fine. Yeah. But think about it. Walking, it's like... Yeah, you know, you're right. It, you don't... It's just... It happens. It's almost like, you know, you have your... Um, what reflex is that when you trip? Stumble. Stumble. There it is. I'm yeah. thinking... I wanted to say trip reflex. I'm like, that's not right. What's the word? Uh, yeah, stumble. Yeah, stumble reflex. So, yeah. like... And we talked about 
episode past about like reflexive strength work and things like that. Yeah. And we started to get into, we mentioned it, uh, was um, the central pattern generators, right? Yeah. That's it. It's the CPG. Sometimes I want to call it CPUs, and I'm like, computers, what's going on here? <laughs> but the central pattern generators. Yes. So, like, I'm thinking with walking, a central pattern generator, and everyone is like, developed, essentially, any able-bodied person yeah, like, is, is developed to the max. Yeah, so much so actually that there's been science or there's been a specific uh, individual, I don't know the guy's name, um, who, and this is where when, so in this guy's case, he had an infection and he was paralyzed. Okay. To, to actually get to the point of being capable of walking again so he wasn't like nothing was severed in his spinal cord he had like a weird infection or like met like some crazy thing like meningitis i don't know what it was and i should look this up so i could actually put this into the show notes um but there's a professor at university of chicago who does this research and she's brought this guy up where he actually like cognitively brought together his cpgs but no one knew how he did this to get to the point of sitting back up and being able to take steps because he knew his body could remember how to do it. Essentially okay. going back to CPGs, which are just these bundles of neurons. In so the the code was there, if you will. The yeah. programming language was in the body and yes. written. It yeah. was just sort of, how do I say it, bypassing it or shooting the power to it. Yeah. So it connected. I don't know. That's a very poor no. metaphor for my lack of science knowledge. I I mean, sort of. I think think of it like think of it as like a there's brain control or or yeah, central. like the, the top down. Like, yeah. So what? Who's a guy from like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Uh, like Leonardo. Oh, what's his name? Brain, right? No, it's oh, Krang. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah Krang. Krang. I wanted to say Krom. So Krang. Yeah. Like Krang, Krang's here. He's central control. But then there's how do you how could you think about it where it's like. Um, central control is everything that's very important and then cpgs i'm trying to think of a good analogy would be yeah. what what feeds a signal back to the brain and then there's a re-afferent signal and but the loop starts from the cpg i don't know how the is the cpg more like the cause then if we're like doing a cause effect or is that Essentially, of, yeah, it's so all this stuff is like more so it's not abstract, but it's underdeveloped. And it's yeah, like yeah. it's it's taking these it's taking these concepts and realizing that um, going off the CPG issue and going from a walk, which you were talking about. Yeah, right? I'm so awesome at it. You're really good at walking. Yeah, yeah, you should see my wife walk, though. She trips at least once a month. <laughs> Kind of mediocre. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like a trip to step ratio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you have you have walking and then when you get to like, let's just say a gallop or, you know, okay. a canter versus a canter. sprint. Ooh, that's fancy. Yeah, I feel yeah. like Chaucer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what happens as you would do that over, let's say it's over 100 meters and every 10 meters you go a little faster, a little faster. The CPGs are these bundles of neurons that, that will then inhibit other neurons they'll basically shut things off and light up other bundles 
to then get you to, to so cycle. Why does it do that? Why why would I be like, yo, I got to turn this off because I want to go faster? Like, how? I think it has to do with Twitch, like what, like Twitch type. So if you have to run quicker, you need a little bit more spring, a little bit more fast Twitch. Okay. Uh, you need to start to be able to use. And what happens when you turn that off? Then you get a little bit more of a stretch shortening cycle, and that can also play into the into the into the feeding of the of the actual like autonomic. Uh, loops that's going okay on. i have a silly question and or just a theory could it be when i want information to get from one place to another the less people i have to tell yes for it to reach the faster it goes then yeah. too yeah and i i think <clears throat> yeah that's exactly i mean that's exactly what's happening is that so the CPGs are almost like yo let's get rid of the the middle people yeah in this athletic conversation within the body it's it's like a highway. It's think about it. Um, so think about it as like a highway with no with no merge lanes. Everybody's just on this highway, but there's no merging because your CPGs are taking care of some of the traffic. And there's gotcha. and it's like Elon Musk dream with like his Teslas, if you will. Yeah, I yeah to a point. I, I think, don't know. I was stretching there. <laughs> but thinking about it from the rhythmic aspect, so any rhythmic thing is going to be using central pattern generators, so walking, running, um, actually sucking your thumb, vomiting, sneezing. These are all influenced and essentially essentially not from Krang. Krang's not controlling that. Yeah, no Krang. Yeah, there's, there's, there's always uh, a reafference, or it would be you execute it efferently from the CPGs and there's a re-efferent signal based off of the feedback that your brain gets from your initial okay. execution. I gotcha. All right. So we it's keep it, going. It's intent. It's intent. Action is Krang. Okay. So intent and action. And then Krang's like, I'm going to go throw the shot. Yeah. And then the, the peripheral peripheral feedback is going to be based off of like things like posture and actual speed and, and time constraints. Okay. That's going to be time constraints. So my dynamic trunk control and this object are going to communicate things like my grip, my feel, if you will, yeah. that, that sense is yes. going to communicate things to Krang. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's seeing that muscular action is, is occurring essentially at least in two different ways. Yeah. And I mean, outside of like afferent E efferent signals, it it's occurring in two different control systems, at least two simultaneously or yeah. I like I, from what I've gathered, yes, they're based happening off where the science is right yeah, now. What at the same time. About it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's think about this then and how we can apply it to throwing do you want to do discus or you want to do shot discus is fine all right yeah discus yeah so i, I so think about it um think about it and this is the way we we train someone who's a discus thrower is they take a, a standing throw and you essentially teach them like look this is the goal that we want to get to this is the front position this what is, is a standing throw because I've never thrown except that one time. The one meet you did throw. I did sign up for a meet just because there was yeah. something to do. And so the, the I think I threw farther than Mason did this weekend. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't <laughs> think I did, but still. <laughs> you didn't throw bad. I remember thinking like that's actually a de like it was over forty feet. Yeah, I'm not. 
I've like and maybe you threw like sixteen pound shot. Yeah, maybe once in high school, and I yeah. wasn't thick. I was light. You I did was throw like, over forty. I was like a yeah. <laughs> I was like a. I was. I think I was like ninety two kilos too at the time. Like I wasn't. Yeah, hu- you weren't huge. I, Not like you are now. <laughs> I'm probably 92 <laughs> kilos now, just not as thick. Like, I was lean 92 yeah. then. But so, okay, so we teach them the front, the the power position is essentially where you, you want to finish here. This okay. is where you would see, like, the fi- the final position. So that's just, like, almost, uh, I want to say, it's just the batter box. Yeah. I, like baseball, yes. like the hips just going yeah, and turning and the, there. The, the disc is getting out of the hand. Now, we'll take three or four stands. And then we go right into a full throw. Is this a way, because we talked about this with the reflexive strength, is this kind of like a chunking of the movement yes. too? Yeah. Now, we're not doing reflexive strength here, but we're chunking the pattern of the, the pattern. movement. Yeah, so what I do is we do the throw, the finish, and we only do like three to five reps. Typically, what you would see in other coaches is they would take 30 throws from a standing position, and then the next week they might focus on middle – and then the next week they would focus. this be kind of like uh what's the word it's not undulating but like a linear yeah if you're doing it yeah, that yeah, way yeah, like yes. it's the same thing yeah, like it's just like okay this week we do this this week we do this and it's i i have a really good analogy that i'll that i'll share with at the end okay around memorization and i think a lot of people will be able to relate to it but so we do then the full throw so three from the the finish yeah and then we go right to the back and we go this is what you have to do and i want it to be i tell the throwers like it's gonna be ugly it's gonna be terrible you love throwing people into the muck yeah if you right away full steam we're gonna learn how to take a full throw like you will throw from a full position from a full spin we we have 10 year olds that'll do this the first day that they're they're training and so then then they learn this is a global movement and then what happens is the, you can start to see where are they going to struggle or where are they struggling with their full movement. And then it's like, all right, the next warm-up day, all right, well, remember they were bad out of the back. All right, we're going to do this drill out of the back. Okay. You do like 10 so or 15. So you already start diagnosing yeah, right issues away. Right away. from the jump yeah, to give them their variations, if you will. Yes, exactly. And so we'll, Now, we'll, when they're that young, will you tell them they don't do that well, or, you get, or will you just say we're going to no, work on this? Yeah, we're just going to work on so this. So they don't develop like a... A negative connotation yeah. or anything. No, it's, okay. just, it's just part of the process. And so we'll always do those standing throws, but then we always do full throws, and we're always doing some type of setup for them to feel these different positions out of the back. Because essentially we break it down into... You have the back of the throw, you have the middle of the throw, and you have the front of the throw. So we sort of set up a chunk for them. <clears throat> and then they learn that process. And I believe, personally, I believe that that long form, that long, like throwing them right into the fire right away, I believe they create their style based off of okay. their, their own movement patterns. And then you can use the chunking, you know, with the drills to influence their style to mimic the optimal mechanics that we want to see. All right, and these optimal mechanics, how do you see them feeding into the CPGs? So it's essentially establishing like if you have if you have a thrower, let's say it takes um, 
there's always the intent action in a throw. Like you, you go, you get in and you're going to wind. And when you go to wind, that's your intent. But then essentially it happens so quickly. Each position happens so quickly that as you get through the throw, you can't have the intent yeah. of my right foot comes down here. And while my right foot goes down, my left foot goes here. That feeds into your idea too about like, yo, one cue type of thing. Yeah. Real simple cues. Cause you don't have, you can't really process can't more process than that. It. Yeah. And when you, when you are going to process it and change things, it's going to be at slower speeds. You can be more complex at slower speeds. This goes into the example of watching someone do, uh, you know, somebody twerk or someone do the waltz. It's crazy movements, right? All over the place. But it's a slower speed. They're not running full speed. They're not doing a, a, a locomotive patterning. They're literally yeah. just in place, basically. But then you go in and you throw an Velocity implement. Velocity detriment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Decrement. <laughs> decrement. Yeah. Uh. But then, then you get into, you get into, you know, you sweep that right to the middle if you're right-handed thrower, and then your left leg has to pass through, pass around you. You can't think like, all right, when my left leg goes around my right leg. Yeah, that sentence I, is longer than the yeah, movement takes. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's all happening, boom, 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 boom. But so you have to develop the neurons to actually recognize that this is an automatic movement. Yeah. And so the sooner you can get full reps in, the better. Now you, you will go back and forth between essentially CPG control and crank control. You'll go back and forth between the two. But when you get into a meet situation, when you're becoming an elite thrower, you are full steam in CPG control. Yeah. You are not intent there. Yeah. All right. So we kind of see this reason why that we want reflexive strength movements. Yeah. All right. With discus, what's something we're doing? Little young kid isn't good out of the back. That was yeah. what you said earlier. How do we start then developing those CPGs? through a reflexive strength movement. Okay, so a good example would be like they hold the discus and they sweep around uh, like a tactile object. So you have a cone or a bucket and they sweep around and they stop. Now, why do you put that object there? Is it visual and like I it's, can clearly see don't hit this type of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's visual. It's feeling based. And and I would I would actually not put it there first. I would want to see like after like 15 reps if they can typically kids will lead with their knee and you want their knee to be pointing to the sky you want their toe pointing to the sky like okay. kicking a soccer ball is the best way to think about it it's almost like your hip has to be open then, yeah right? so as they're sweeping that's what you want to see so if i cue them to kick a soccer ball and and there's you know i, I can get them to do it uh, sometimes i mean really what i do is i actually draw on the circle with a chalk with uh -huh. an arrow this way and i want their foot to come around that arrow so that's sort of how I do it for about two or three sessions. And if they can't pick it up after that, then I use the tactile bucket or cone. So, but holding that implement and doing that, okay, sweep around, down, stop, discus back here. Sweep around, down, stop, discus back here. Now everything starts to feel the coordination between their right leg, the left knee opening, their left arm opening and holding with the right arm. Now it's like all these different patterns. Right, a lot of coordination going yeah, on. Yeah, happening there. at the same time. And that, to me, is the simplest version of, like, reflexive training. Okay. I have an elite person. I want to work on the same thing. What's the difference I'm doing now? You're working with, I don't know, Sam, Noah, one of your... Sam, I would use more of, like, a band. Okay. And then, a, and then a con like, an action when he pauses. He's got to hold that 
yeah go back and then sort of go backwards around it all right so y- you create like this rewind yeah type it's of a movement. little bit more challenging it's making it and it's making the the biggest thing that i like to see is if there's a problem you know if there's a problem inside of their movement it's making them use the intent control to to fix the problem but then having them ingrain it so much that it becomes an afterthought. It's, okay. Uh, so it's like, do you find the rewind part of it? Like, cause it just the, makes it more challenging. And when you make something more challenging, you're more, you're more focused on the execution okay. because it's harder. And the rewind's slow, right? It's not yeah. like yeah, you're get not back as fast it. as you can. No. And to your point earlier about you slow things down, you could have more control. So I want to counter then if you're slowing it down, does it actually develop the CPG or is it more the Krang then now that's taken over? That's a good question. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I can't say one way or the other. Right. Really. I, I would think it might be a little bit of both because now I'm more intentional about my movement. So yeah. I'm not necessarily hitting those CPGs, if you will, cause I'm thinking to, I shouldn't say I'm thinking well, too hard. Well, this is where I'm, like I'm the art incredibly. of the coach comes into play okay. where it's like, okay, you go slow, slow, slow speed. Slow, slow, so like we'll do like three slow drills and then a throw, or sleep three slow drills and then a fast drill, you know. So then it's like it's you start to play around with what yeah. what patterning works best. Well, I I remember when I used to lift more seriously, you would do that with variation and do yeah. a full movement, like yeah. no brush into a fu- into a, f- a full or yeah, yeah. Uh, no foot into a full, yeah. no brush, no foot into a f- like yeah, just same thing, same principle. Hey, okay. No, that makes sense. And I think I was what I was going to share with that that story with a like a little secret here is the way that I like to think about it that I've been thinking a lot lately is I I had baseball card books. Yeah. And when I would go through and organize them, I wouldn't know every card in the book, but after about an hour and a half, I would memorize essentially the whole book. And now that I'm into Pokemon cards, I could lay out all my cards here, and I would not know, you know, if I had, let's just say, especially my good cards. I, I let's just say I have thirty of them. I couldn't memorize those thirty. Right. But if I put out five, I could memorize five, and then I put those five over here. Then I'd memorize these five. You, you're chunking it. Yeah, and then I go back here, and, it's, and and kids as they flip through their books of cards, baseball cards, football cards, Pokemon. Images of something. Yeah, whatever it is. They memorize, and they go back, and they're looking for something. So then as they're looking for something, then they remember that they saw something similar. And the whole stream is this chunking method that they're using for their brain to learn these things. They're developing their own schema, how they see it. And so it's a a memory form. All of these things are this – it's our body. We're all doing it physically and mentally the same way. And so – the physical aspect is just shown through an expression of movement with a discus. Yeah, kinesthetic vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the mental aspect is memorizing your Pokemon cards. Yeah. Through chunking. You don't memorize all by going, well, I have 200 cards. I need to memorize 200. Do you, you memorize them in 20 clips, basically? Yeah. So if we go back to movements, how do we, I guess, because it, it's so new, how do we go? Like, yo, there's like CPGs or like there's something not there that they're not is happening. Like, how do we diagnose that, if you will, or can we even diagnose that? Okay, or we so you're ju- saying you are saying 
if someone is lacking the ability to execute a movement, maybe there's something different with their generate their central pattern generator. Yeah. Or we're not developing them and like how do we I think you'll see that I think you see that especially I mean, this is for most of the audience that's gonna be listening to this, they have no idea how to relate to this, but in the throwing world yeah, it was essentially like up until 2010, people only really threw like three days a week, and you just got big and strong. And if you were athletic, you like rose to the top. Okay, if you were a better athlete, genetically more talented. Now what you're seeing is people are still stupid strong, but they're throwing way more frequently, which is enabling uh, smaller stature athletes to rise to the top less athletic athletes to rise to the top so like okay i i I get where you're going here yeah so there's there's more development of that and and what i what i think you're seeing is is somebody who's like a old school big bulky guy like back in the day who's might be a little more rigid he's still flourishing because they're throwing a lot more traditionally like literally just in the u.s we're throwing way more than we used to so I don't know where I'm going with that, though, in regard to your question, because your question was more But so this is what I'm hearing, is we can see a historical impact, yeah. if we look back, that more repetition in which the CPGs are developing more through doing the movement. Yes. We're having less capable, from a genetic standpoint, yep. able to keep up with people that are actually probably more talented just simply because their CPGs are more developed. Yes. From more repetitions. Yeah, and I think you could easily look at the top 100 throws each year and just look at the average has gone up drastically. Like a 20-meter throw 10 years ago was like elite. I would have said that's 100% an elite throw, 20 meters for a shot putter. Not for a discus thrower, but for a shot putter. Now a 20-meter throw is literally like top 100. I would, I would deem top 50 is elite. So, like, you know, it might be 50, might be – it's just that top end is so much deeper than it used to be. Yeah. And it's because of the way the training has changed. Gotcha. And what I'm hearing is we're developing technically more. And technical development, teaching technique is actually it's, underneath it is the CPGs. Yeah. Is what's being developed. Yeah. It's the same skills that musicians have been practicing yeah. for hundreds of years or thousands of years right it's the same skills that that we use to memorize uh story like religious stories before we before we had writing yeah it's I, the same concept. i love this idea too of cpgs with rhythm i immediately went to like drummers yeah like, drummers oh, probably yeah, like, for sure absolutely how they're doing it musicians in general yeah, yeah so and that's where most of this stuff really in my opinion should be going study yeah. research wise to, towards musicians yeah and how it works there with that yeah you know, I th- you'll see it the fastest. You'll see because because okay. the volume of practice, dude. It, yeah, you I, can. If you ever read, like, I don't. This is me being pretentious. If you read the talent code, it's yeah, like, yeah, the ten thousand hours. Yeah, it's literally like, dude, watch musicians. They're practicing. Yeah, they do all day, constantly. Sanderson on Saturday practiced piano for like three hours. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, dude, just sit there and do yeah, it. Yeah, no. it's just, it's a constant challenge, and songs are taught. 
via chunking. Yeah. When you look uh, at it. I know. It's like, dude, it's all there. And but we're too ignorant in the sport. Piano world. like it's ambidextrous to do yeah. it. And when and then you have to start coordinating the feet. With your feet. It's all that. It's all yeah. what they're like this is we're so far behind with the research. Like, and dude. I don't know if you know this too. You kids that learn instruments, their brain yeah, works. They, that's, like yeah, I don't want to say better, but it, it starts working. It's more optimal, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do not want to say that, like, because you know, a lot of times, like, access to music lessons, like, it's a privilege. Like, not yeah, everyone yeah, has sure. that. Yeah. And, but if you can access that, like, you're setting your kid up for the brain yes. to be able to send signals a little bit more fluidly. Like, yeah. it just it challenges it more. It's and they handle the emotional state that they're in in those moments as well because yeah. they see it not as a negative but more as just a challenge, a right. challenge to grow. All right. I think, that, man, I've been learning a lot over these last <laughs> two. <I've been laughs> yeah. having fun questions. Let's go to um, audience questions. All right, let's go. This is a Reddit one. Reddit. You Griffith HSD? I don't know. We all know I'm bad at reading. <laughs> I only have a degree. You just spent the first five minutes ripping your seven-year-old son because he's not putting out enough effort, and you yeah. still can't read. That's all right. <laughs> I'll take blame for that. Every <laughs> so, now I have to say this: like me and my wife will like be reading the same thing, and yeah. she's like done like two minutes before Dude, that, time, and I'm like, "Did you even read that?" It's she's funny. Like, yeah, I used to read so slowly, and I. I didn't realize that like lately I've been stepping up my game. So my, my granddad last year wrote a book and I was like, dude, I got to read this book before he dies. So he, he got it printed. This is like three months before he died. Dude. As soon as he gave me the copy, I read it in f like four days and I was messaging my brother and my sister and my sister, she's fast. Dude. My brother took like three weeks and then my sister took like three weeks to read it. Cause it was like 190 pages. Yeah. And he's like, Dude, I am so freaking slow compared to you guys. And Caitlin said the same thing. I'm like, dude, yes, that means I read fast now. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything for my intelligence. Yeah, I'm a persistent reader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there. I don't stop. Yeah, but I remember remember our last podcast when you discussed reading Infinite Jest. Oh yeah, let's not bring that up. That was <laughs> bad point in my life. Not really, but <laughs> how to break a plateau in your 30s? All right, this is. Take testosterone. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, man. Don't get me talking about that. I have some hot takes on that. Oh, nice. <laughs> you, you don't want me to do this. Uh, we, I may like, yeah, we'll talk before we have that conversation <laughs> about where I'd go with it. How old is this guy? Uh, 30s? I don't know. He hey, has, let's say he's 33. Wait until you hear this. Wrestled in college, but at the end of college was hurt and burnout. I took 10 years off to have fun and figure out what I wanted to do in life. During the pandemic, I looked in the mirror and was embarrassed by how out of shape I was and in desperate need for an outlet. I started working out again in summer 2021. I find that I don't have the time I had in college. I don't recover as fast and I can't handle the volume intensity that I could in college. The things I did to improve up to this point don't seem to be working to get past this point. My question is, how does an old guy get past the plateau? Are there different strategies for guys in their 30s versus younger athletes? Are there different strategies based on the individual's current strength level? I've enjoyed your content and would Damn, love to hear some long. thoughts on how to work towards my goals. Yeah, I told you it's like a it's a word slurpy or HSD. Yeah. Is his last name, is last three? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think dude, I mean first Griffith I would fit HSD. I would 
push you to go buy the Ghostface program. First of all, that's a shameful plug. You're allowed to plug yourself yeah. on here. Uh, but I would just say, look, you like you focus on three or four goals. Maybe you have an, a, an aerobic goal, and you have like three other. Uh, fitness related goals like i want to try to bench press something for 10 reps i want to try and deadlift something for 10 reps right like you set these goals and then it's i would just go into the gym try to focus on getting like five to eight sets on those goal lifts and then after so let's say you do a deadlift and you do five sets of five or whatever it might be and then after do all bodybuilding work that would support the goal. So the main goal is deadlift. Well, we need to do bodybuilding work to support that. So that we need to do lower back work, hip work, uh, hamstring exercises. And then you finish off. Maybe, you know, you do some mobility at the end, but you, you do, you go main strength work, accessories that are going to be supportive of the main strength work and then mobility work. And then if you're on an endurance day, it's all right, we're going to do, I love the assault bike, so I'll just use that example. 30 minutes on the assault bike, and then after that, I'm going to do something simple just to get a little bit of a pump in my legs, so I'll go push and pull the sled, or I'll do walking lunges for five straight minutes, and then I'm done. Have you ever tried to see how fast you can do 400 meters walking lunges? No. No, but I have a friend who it's who, fun. who did bear crawls for a mile. Ooh, Did you see that dude who did a bear crawl for a marathon? What? There's a, uh, it's on YouTube. Someone did was it. Was he wearing gloves? Yes. I was going to say, dude. You yeah, no like leave. thick, like yeah, you couldn't do that. duct tape gloves. Yeah. That's insane. That's dude, crazy. Imagine your shoulders and your triceps. Yeah. You'd be swole. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if we walked on our hands, how much bigger our arms would be. They'd be huge. Yeah. Our, be it should be an experiment. <laughs> our, our shoulders would be the size of our butt. Yeah. Like that oh my that. goodness. Yeah. How to get large. <laughs> Boulder shoulders. Yeah. How to get ass sized shoulders. <laughs> Walk on your hands. I feel like that's a Rick and Morty episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. YouTube community. Canal. Oh, man. I hate the internet with names. I'm just bad. <laughs> Bish21. It's like T301. I'm bad at this. Someone else. You should maybe start reading the I names. I can start reading them. Do you want to look at that? Give that one a try. The the Kunal Bish two, Kunal Bish oh oh one. Yeah. Do you think that taller natural guys suffer a hard time gaining muscle than some of the shorter guys? I have mass distribution. I know mass distribution plays an important role. What's your take? It depends on your height. I think Dude, the the I hard gainer crowd. I've always been like. Dude, you're so full of it because you guys, Jake's a claimed hard gainer. And then when he actually when he started eating. <laughs> yeah. And when he actually tracked his macros, it was like, dude, you're eating like 1600 calories a day. You're yeah. not going to get bigger. Step up your game. You're lifting Smalls. like 15 hours a week. And then he sort of peters back and then it comes back up and he gains his weight again. Also, anyone who struggles to gain weight, like, start eating peanut butter and ice cream. And <laughs> yeah, <the honey. laughs> you look at the nutrient-dense stuff. I, to answer, Canal, I do believe it's harder for you with squats. But it's easier with somebody who's taller to, to do deadlifts. Yeah. So you can gain tons of mass doing deadlifts. And then you can do, you know, walking lunges, single-leg squats for your high-rep work. Uh, you can do leg presses. You can do 
uh, leg curls, leg extensions, and just do stupid high reps. And as long as you're getting enough uh, calories in, you're still going to gain mass for sure. You, if you are long limb though, you know front squats you'll be okay. Back squats will be harder. So do low bar back squats. You'll still gain mass. Do single leg squats. You'll be okay because it's 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 not as challenging uh, as a back squat for for taller you know limb people. And then I can't just, believe you just said that. Just pull more. What? That the single leg squat's not as hard as it's not. Your tibias are are almost all the same length. All right. If somebody's six two versus Whatever, dude. five nine, it's very similar. I just think it's harder to balance and do the movement in okay. general. But I'm saying this: if I go like I did this on Sunday. I did like a single leg squat with 95 pounds and I did three sets of five on each leg and then I racked it and then I held our technique stick and I did 25 on my right, 20 body weight, 25 on my right, 25 on my left, 25 on my right, 25 on my left and I was done and my legs were sore the next day. You love bodybuilding. That's how the canal will have his problem filled. Do what Dane does. (laughs) Do that. Okay, you got it. CPGs and bodybuilding. Until next time, peace.